Hello brethren, happy Sabbath wherever you are around the world and here in this part of the world it is a hot day and it's expected to go into the 90s so for those who have snow I do feel for you. It's a blessing to be together on, on the Sabbath day where we can focus on God's way of life, on God's word, on God's truth and, and tune off from all the problems of the world. The question that was asked recently was, is God fair? Well, God looks at things differently to the way human beings do in the, in the flesh. And um, in Isaiah 55, God says, my ways are not your ways and your ways not my ways. But I'm going to focus on something different to that, on how good is God to us. And we can take this personally, in a personal way, how good is God to you? And how good is God to me? And we think about our lives uh, from our calling right to now and, and what God has in store for us. But to begin with, God is eternal. He has no beginning, no end. In Genesis 1.1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the physical you know, people on the earth might say, Well, where did God come from? If God was in the beginning, well, where did he come from? Well, that is something that God knows himself. He has no beginning and no end. So I just want to turn first of all to John 1 and verse 1. Just... Okay, in John 1 verse 1, he says, In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and not even one thing that was created came into being without him. So the one who became Jesus Christ was, was there right from the beginning. Okay, what I want to do here in this message is present things in three from three categories, from the, the past, present, and future. So in, with the past, we think in terms of how great was the universe that God created. Well, we've seen, we've seen pictures of the universe, parts of the universe, and the latest information we have is from the James Webb Telescope, where it estimates that there are 150 billion galaxies in the known universe. And the average galaxy has 100 million stars. So how many, how many stars does that make? Well, I worked it out that it was one, one with 24 zeros to it. And it's very hard to imagine. And yet, in some... 147 verse 4, God numbers the stars. He's numbered and he names the stars. And we go to Isaiah 40. We have a bit more on that. Isaiah 40 and verse 26. Okay, it says, Lift up your eyes on high, and behold, who has created these things? Who brings out their hosts by number? 
he calls them all by names by the greatness of his might, for he is strong in power, not one fails. So you just think of how, how great the universe is, and since God created the universe, how great God is. And David made an observation in Psalm 8. So we go to Psalm chapter 8. Get there and beginning with beginning with verse one. O Lord our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings you have ordained strength because of your adversaries to silence the enemy and the, the avenger, the avenger being Satan and his demons. When I consider your heavens, so David thought about this. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? For you have made him a little lower than God, and have crowned him with glory and honour. You made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. So we think of all things, all the animals, the plants. Man has dominion over all that. So we think of where Earth is in the galaxy, in the Milky Way. I looked it up once that where the Earth is located is in a spiral between the centre and the, and the outer rim. And the location of it is vital for it to be able to, to have life. Uh, I'm not very well versed in this sort of thing, but God obviously had all consideration as to where we as uh, the Earth, this solar system, was going to be located in the galaxy in order to sustain life. So it comes to a question, what does, that have to do, what does that have to do with us? So here we are in the body of Christ. So there was a time when we were called. So God created this universe for a reason, and the creation of the universe, as vast as it is, and as expansive as it is, was not the main focus. It was not the main thing. God had more in mind. And he created man, Adam and Eve, and from Adam and Eve we're all we're all descended. And we were meant to be called. We were meant to have in addition to the spirit in man, we were we were meant to have God's So we were all called. And I think of a personal case in, in my case, and I, I can assure you it was nothing like the Apostle Paul. With me, it was something that was very slow and very gradual over a period of time. I remember once when I was listening to Garnet Armstrong with my brother at the time. He was the one who tuned it on, and he just said, oh, is that, that Garnet? that's Garnet Armstrong. Didn't mean anything to me. But then about a year later, I had a radio tune on the radio and listened to the same voice. 
and I decided to listen to it. Instead of tuning the radio around looking for some music, my type of music at the time, I listened to what he was saying. And as time went on, I listened more and more. Then I finally wrote into The Plain Truth and to The Wonderful World Tomorrow at the time booklet. And after about a year, when I had read the, United, the US and British Commonwealth in Prophecy, at that time, I knew, I knew what was, where I should be going. Even though at that time, the, the, the focus was on 1975, I thought, well, I better do something quickly because I don't want to get caught out while everyone's going to flee. But soon after I, was, I had learned that, I was called up for national service and I thought, well, maybe that's a way of escape from the world at the time. So I can think about it more being in the army, but it didn't work out that way. I thought, well, maybe I should go to the commanding officer and say to him, sir, I can't keep the Sabbath. I can't, I can't go and do drill on the Sabbath and go to the rifle range. It's the Sabbath day. After all, God's called me. But no, I didn't do that. I kept everything as low key and as incognito as I could. I didn't want anyone else to know. As it was, a few people did find out me reading, reading the Bible and say, well, what are you doing? What do you think you're doing? And I got into a few conversations which I shouldn't have got into at the time. But time went on after another, after I was discharged from the army where I thought, well, maybe I should go over to Bricketwood and turn up and say, here I am. But by the time I was out of the army, Bricketwood had closed. So another couple of years went by but I decided there and then that this, this is it. After I finished completing school, this is it. I'm going to go along to services. And that's where it all started with me. Everybody, everybody, every one of us has their own journey. And everyone's different. I'm, I look forward to hearing, hearing about it on the, on the Sea of Glass and beyond. We're in the, the age of man, and man was created. Adam and Eve were given all the instruction by God that they needed at the time. But sooner or later, sin ended. And because we were able to make choices, we had the ability to make choices. We were given choices to make. We weren't robots. Sin invariably entered. But how does God look at that? Well, we come to the scripture here in Psalm 34. Sorry, in Exodus 34, I, I will be going into the Psalms a lot. But we, this time we're going into Exodus 34 and verse 6 and 7. And the Lord passed by before him, this is Moses, and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth keeping mercy to the thousandth generation, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, upon the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And this was, this was said after the, after the golden calf sin, which was Moses was, made Moses angry and, he broke the tablets of 
that were written by the fingers of God, tablets of the Ten Commandments. And we can go back a, back a chapter to chapter 33. And we pick it up in verse 19. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. So in, with all the sin that man does, God made the promise, make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the Lord, the name of the Lord before you, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I just want to deviate slightly here to a course that I did. I was in the medical field for a few years, and one of the courses I did, having, having had no clinical background, I did one of these courses on the human body, the nine systems of the human body. And I did have God in mind because knowing that God is the creator of man. So I learned a bit about the systems of the human body. And we have the skeletal system, which has the bones and joints. You have the muscular system involving the muscles, the circulatory system, the, the heart and the blood flow, the respiratory system involving the lungs, the digestive system, which has the stomach, the liver, the urinary system, which has the kidneys, the nervous system, which has all aspects of the brain, the endocrine system, which has various glands like the thyroid, adrenal, pituitary glands, the reproductive system for both male and female. And I found the course fascinating. And we know that every cell and every chemical in our body has been carefully and purposely assembled by God the Creator. And sometimes I, I look up things on the internet which I think might be useful. And apparently there are something to the tune of 100 trillion cells in the, in the human body. And God knows each one of them, just like he knows and numbers each star. He knows each cell that's in the human body. That's fantastic. And yet at the end of this course, the presenter, which, which I thought, you know, he's quite, quite an expert in his field. The expert came up with, the expert came up with some vague thing about it. the glory of evolution as being originated from some vague slime in the earth. And it made me flabbergasted. How could he think this when all this was presented in the human body? About the human body and all the all the, the all the systems, and it made me remind me of Romans one, where even the, you know the the intelligentsia of the world, the wise became fools. Anyway, it does take me to Psalm one hundred and thirty nine, which was which indicates how David feels about this part of human body. Okay, beginning in verse 1, David says, 
O Lord, you have searched me and have known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. You measure my, my going about, my lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways. There is not a word on my tongue, but lo, O Lord, you know it all together. So he understands it from the, the spirit of man from the time of from the time of life. You have enclosed me behind and in front and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain to it. Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the, in the grave, behold, you are there. So, God knows the intimate parts of mankind. Just picking it up in verse C. Verse 9. If I take wings of the morning and dwell in the farthest parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light around me shall be night, even the darkness does not hide me from you. But the night shines as the day, as the darkness, so is light to you. So, and Jesus Christ is the light of the world. It says in John 8 verse 12, light of the world. Okay, verse 13, pick up verse 13. For you have possessed my reins. So, possess the spirit in man. God knows where we are. You have Knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am awesomely and wonderfully made. Your works are marvellous, and my soul knows it very well. My substance was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. So the substance, it's called the substance from the time of conception. And intricately formed in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes did see my substance, yet being unformed, God knew how it was going to be formed. And in your book, this is the book, so the book of the genome of the book of life of uh, chromosomes, genes and chromosomes, all my members are written, in which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more than the sand, and I wake, I am still with you. Australia has 16,000 miles of coastline. That's 25,000 kilometres. And it's estimated that the number of grains of sand is... Uh, I think 7.5 billion grains of sand, and every one of those grains of sand is different. Uh, different in size, different in shape, different in colour, and it reminds us of all of us who are called in God's church. All of us are different. We all have different personalities, and God is going to use us in the way that he sees fit. Okay, come to another psalm. 
Psalm 36. And pick it up in verse 5. Your loving kindness, O Lord, is in the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Your righteousness is like the great mountains. Your judgments are like the great deep. O Lord, you preserve man and beast. And I found it incredible that the deepest part of the ocean, which is about seven miles deep, there is still life. How precious are your loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men take refuge under the shadows, the shadow of your wings. And several times in the Psalms, the shadow of your wings is referred to as God, God's protection. It's mentioned in Psalm 91, Psalm 57, and maybe other places as well. They shall abundantly satisfied with the riches richness of your house, and you shall make them drink of the river of your pleasures. For with you is a fountain of life. In your light we shall see light. So in the light of, as Jesus Christ is the light of the world, by his light we shall see light. O continue your loving kindness to those who know you and your righteousness to the upright in heart. And God knows who is the upright in heart. Okay, in Psalm 121, you see more of the emphasis here on how David looks at it. David looked at it. I will lift up my eyes. This is verse 1. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Well, God's not going to go off to sleep. He's not going to go off to some other part of the universe where he created some far-off galaxy and let us deal with our trials. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. So the right hand signifies strength. And shade, shade can be another interpretation of the shadow of, of his wings, protection. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your life. The Lord shall guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth even forevermore. So, so God is so good to us. And David has indicated that multiple times through the Psalms. Okay, we need to view how we are to view God. In Psalm 136, in Psalm 136, David made this view of how how to view God. And the whole psalm has a theme to it. In verse 1, it says, O oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy or steadfast love endures forever. O oh, give thanks to the God of gods, for his mercy endures forever. O oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endures forever. To him alone, who alone does great wonders, 
for his mercy endures forever. To him who by understanding made the heavens, and all the magnificence that the heavens has, all the stars, all the galaxies, for his mercy endures forever. And the whole theme of this Psalm 136 looks to God whose mercy endures forever and how we are to view God. And the last verse, 26, says, Oh, give thanks to the God of heaven for his mercy endures forever. So it just sums it up. Okay, and I want to try and focus on the future a bit about where we are and, and God's goodness. And we know that in John 1 verse 14, the word became flesh. Just come to the New Testament a little bit. In Philippians 2 and verse 5, well-known verse to us all, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but emptied himself and was made in the likeness of men and took the form of a servant. So this is where it ties in with, with John 1.14 where the word became flesh. He emptied himself of all the powers that he had of being co-creator of the universe to become flesh and to come subject to all the trials that we as physical beings encounter. And he did the reverse, did the reverse of what God is doing to us. He became flesh. And what God is doing to us is, is focusing on us becoming spirit beings by overcoming in character, in the grace of God and all that Jesus Christ has done for us. So he did to Christ the reverse of what he is doing to us. So how good is that? Okay, and I just want to go to the Lord's Prayer here. This is the true Lord's Prayer. In John 17. And we just begin with take some of the verses out of here, beginning with verse 7. Now they have known all things that you have given to me are from you. For I have given them the words that you gave to me, and they have received them, and truly have known that I come from you, and they have believed that you did send me. I am praying for them. This is those of us who are being called. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and all yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. Okay, and we just go forward to verse 17. Sanctify them, in other words, make holy. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is the truth. 
and Jesus Christ we know is the Word. Even as you did send me into the world, I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, so that they may be sanctified in your truth. I do not pray for these only, but also for those who shall believe in me through their words. So that's looking into the future. Looking future generations are going to be who are going to be called into the body of Christ. That they all may be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be one in us. This is God the Father and the one who became Jesus Christ, in order that the world may believe that you did send me, and that have given and I have given them the glory that you gave to me in order that they may be one in the same way that we are one. So this is in the same way God the Father thinks of us. He thinks of Jesus Christ as being, you know, potential spirit beings into the one family. We go back to Psalm here. Psalm 40 and verse 5. Just the one verse in that psalm. In verse 5, O Lord my God, many things you have done. Think of the things that God has done. Think of what he has done for each one of us from the time that we've been called into, into the church, how he's opened up our minds. And there's probably one, many things that he has done in our lives. He's intervened in certain areas. Think, think of how we have been growing through God's word. Your wonderful works and your thoughts which you are towards us, there is none to compare you. Well, even the creation, even all the universe, all, all the galaxies that God's created is not to compare with how we are growing through God's spirit by choice. If I could declare and speak of them, they would be more than could be told. And we go to another psalm, 100, Psalm 100. And we'll pick it up in verse 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. We enter into God's courts by giving praise. It's and give thanks to him and, and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love is everlasting and his faithfulness endures to all generations. So this is all generations. This is going way off into the future. In Psalm 145, and this is also a psalm that looks, it looks into the future. Psalm 145, and let's begin verse 1. I will extol you, O my God, my King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. I will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty and of your wondrous works. And men shall speak of the might of your awesome works. 
while this is going to be done in the millennium, physical people are going to be, they're going to know about God. They will know about Jesus Christ as King of kings and Lord of lords. And I will declare your greatness, and I shall pour forth the memory of your goodness and shall sing of your righteousness. Okay, and God's greatness is infinite. We go to verse 13. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord upholds all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all wait upon you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and loving in all his works. The Lord is near unto all who call upon him, unto all who call upon him in truth. So this is, this is a fantastic promise. We call upon God in truth. He is near to us. How good is that? So I just want to go to First John in chapter 3. Just carrying on this theme. Behold what glorious love. This is chapter, verse 1. Behold what glorious love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God. For this very reason, the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Well, they, they weren't called. They don't have God's Holy Spirit, so they don't understand him. Beloved, now we are the children of God. It has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is manifested, we shall be like him, because we shall see him exactly as he is. Well, we will be in the spirit realm, spirit beings. And how fantastic is that? Okay, so I've been focusing here on how good God is us, and thinking of it from the three dimensions of the past, present, and future, and how it applies to each one of us. We all have a part in this. This is fantastic. Okay, now we have one final scripture, and this is in Revelation, chapter 21. We'll pick it up in verse 3. Revelation 21 and verse 3. I have the wrong scripture here, so... Bear with me. Okay, Revelation 21, verse 3. And I heard a great voice from heaven say, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he shall dwell with them. And they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. So we're going to be, we're all going to be spirit beings. There won't be any flesh, won't be any physical beings, line of flesh, carnality. And God shall wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall not be any more death, 
or sorrow or crying, neither, neither shall there be any more pain, because the former things have passed away. So there'll be nothing of the flesh there. This is the New Jerusalem. And in verse 7, the one who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. So this, this is a promise, and in the New Jerusalem, there won't be any question of whether God is fair, because just look at what we've just read. The one who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. And in other words, be part owners of the universe. All the galaxies that God has created are going to be part owners of that if we overcome, as indicated here in this verse. So with all this that I've presented, we do come back to the beginning beginning of this message here, where we ask a question. We all have to ask a question to each one of us. How good is God to us?